Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark. Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings and welcome on board the WKOK live telephone talk show on the mark. I'm Mark Lawrence, Mr. Joe McGranahan, our good co-host, Mayor Shamokandam in charge of global, not pandemic, but tsunami response with Pima. He's with us no, now. No, I've so. taken over volcanoes. Oh, did you? Yes, I did. That's something <laughs> equally plausible to Pennsylvania. You don't want to take anything that could actually affect Pennsylvania. That's right. That's why I accepted the volcano chairmanship. <laughs> don't go... <laughs> Don't go looking for trouble. All right. Well, good. All right. So Lava Joe is across My specialty is dormant ones. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You've been giving that some thought, I have. I have a great deal of thought. All right. Well, that's part of Joe's shtick is he likes to take care of things that aren't doing much. So that's he's busy these days. All right. On the mark, sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Check them out at sunburymotors.com. When the time comes, our fabulous producer, Mr. Rob Center, will answer our toll-free line. He's already done it one time, and we'll tell you why in a moment. But that toll-free line will be open later. It's 1-800-795-9565. You can always email us at onthemarkatwkok.com or text us at 70236. We would love to hear from you. On the news line with us now, Professor Scott Meinke is back. Uh, He's a professor and chairman of the Political Science Department over at Bucknell University, and we've talked to him about the pandemic's impact on politics and what it did to what was a pretty vibrant presidential race for a while. Uh, quieting it down to sort of shortened sound bites and presidential visits, which kind of turn into campaign appearances. Professor, thank you so much for calling in today. Thanks for having me back. I do appreciate that. As do I. I wanted to get your perspective on the fact that the uh, this has been going on probably for three or four weeks, but uh, the pandemic itself and our response becoming more and more uh, partisan, more divided, uh, Democratic governors being pointed to as being part of a conspiracy to kill the economy before uh, the presidential election, uh, Republican presidents being interested, or Republican politickers uh, being interested in uh, you know, t- throwing safety and caution to the wind uh, just to get uh, economics going. Uh, your view on the fact that it became partisan a while back, but now it's uh, deeply divided? Yeah, I think I think we are seeing that. And at the same time, I think you kind of you have to break this up into a few different pieces of what's going on. I think um, in in one part, certainly you have a lot of people in the public who are who are frustrated, and understandably so. Just about everybody uh, is at this point, and that's leading to a lot of uh, a lot of um, you know a lot of pressure on politicians to uh, to to move more quickly and to respond. Right. So so you have that public sentiment that's out there. Um, on the other hand, if you are thinking about um, you know what's going on at the political level, I think you see politicians who see an opportunity to to get some advantage, right, and and to 
pick up on unrest that's out there and play that up for for some political advantage. So I think uh, in states with Democratic governors, particularly states like Pennsylvania that have the, have the possibility of, of being a swing state in the presidential election, you know, you have Republican politicians sort of, uh, you know, seeing an opportunity to, uh, to have a line of attack against uh, the Democratic Party in those states. But then I think the other piece of this that we have to keep in mind, you know, acknowledging that there's political incentive for politicians to, to maybe rile things up a bit, uh, and that there are good reasons why people are, are not super happy right now. The other piece that we've got to keep in mind is that most voters are pretty patient with, uh, with state governments right now. There's a big poll that came out uh, last week, uh, the Washington Post conducted, covering uh, most of the big states in the country. Um, and they found that uh, in just about all of those states, an overwhelming majority, the kind of majorities that you don't usually see in the polarized country right now, um, supported their governor's actions. Including right? Michigan? Including Michigan. Now, Michigan was a little bit more divided than some of the other states. Um, but you look at uh, you look at Michigan, seventy-two percent. This poll was was in the field uh, the first week of May. Seventy-two uh, percent of people in Michigan uh, approved of the way that their governor was handling coronavirus. Pennsylvania uh, was also seventy-two percent. Ohio, where we know uh, Republican Mike DeWine has gotten uh, good marks from from everybody across the board, pretty much uh, was at eighty-six percent. Now, again, this is this data is now ten days or so old, so things could be shifting. The rhetoric that we're hearing might be moving where people are. But I thought it was pretty striking when I read uh, these poll results late last week um, that in most of the big states, including Republican and Democratic governors, those states where you know there's been pretty aggressive action uh, on the shutdown and and that have been you know seemingly slow to move back in the other direction, the public is is pretty patient on average. So what does this mean? Well, in political science, we we when we think about public opinion, we talk about uh, intensity and direction, right? So you might have uh, a small group of people for whom opinion is really intensely held, and we hear a lot about that, right? And then you think of the protests that we see in state capitals around the country. Uh, and again, that reflects you know, real sentiment. Um, but I think the really intense um, partisan opinion in the public and reaction um, is not necessarily representative of the direction of opinion overall, if that makes sense. It does, but let me ask you this. Each state's somewhat different. For example, Florida is uh, taking a much more liberal course than some of the other states. Texas, same thing. You know, and yet each state supports its governor, and some of them are doing pretty drastic stuff while others are loosening up. Well, does the survey take that into account? And if so, how did it rationalize it? Well, the survey, interestingly, the survey, that same survey did look at Florida and Texas, and it found that that Florida and Texas approval, and again, those are states that are slightly more Republican than the country as a whole, uh, approval of the governor's response in those states was lower than in the other big states. So 57% in Texas and 60% in Florida. Uh, now, still, that's not that's not too bad. You know, the public there is 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 being patient with the governor, but those are states where the governors were were slower to lock things down and quicker to open things up, and it seems like that is associated um, with actually lower approval of the governors in those states. I thought that was interesting as well. That is. What about the idea that this is liberal news media outlets contacting primarily liberal-oriented pollsters who primarily poll liberals or Democrats? Is, Is it not true that the numbers are skewed? That's not true of this kind of poll, right? Uh, 
the uh, major uh, outlets that conduct these kinds of, of national or statewide polls uh, are using a random sampling process uh, and and are waiting their results to be representative of the electorate before they report them. Uh, so, you know, you see polls that are conducted by Fox News. Uh, you see polls that are conducted by the, the Washington Post and the New York Times. Um, and I hear people on both sides say, well, the poll from Fox News can't possibly be trustworthy. Well, it actually is. Whatever you think about the rest of their reporting, uh, their polling outfit has to has to play it straight. Same thing with Washington Post, New York Times, CNN. All right, and then what about the idea that, uh, okay, so most people feel this way, but this is the reason that we have leaders and governors is that most people often may not know precisely the right response under these circumstances. So we have, you know, political leaders and experts and epidemiologists and so on. They're guiding the policy. Uh, Is it perfectly normal, no matter what kind of leadership you're getting, to get people to be in line and to follow what their leaders tell them? Right, and I think, you know, one thing that some of the governors have had a tough time with, uh, and it's certainly a challenging situation, but some of the governors have had a tough time with communicating, uh, which is key to leadership right now, communicating why they're doing what they're doing, uh, how they're making these decisions. Uh, I think, you know, Governor Wolf um, has, you know, run into some issues in in recent weeks as as the reopening plan has gone forward, and he has this fairly complicated red green yellow um, plan that uh, that to a lot of people doesn't make doesn't make sense right you know why does this county open and that county doesn't and this is a case where really clear communication is 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 central to leadership and that's a place where the governors haven't uh, you know have been sort of uneven I think watching what's going on around the country and how successful they've been well you mentioned that the poll shows that people have been tolerant of their governors but what about the president well, the president doesn't seem to be getting uh, as good marks as he was back in uh, the middle of April, right? Uh, his approval uh, for his handling was uh, was low when things first got bad in March, and then it seemed to improve in April uh, when there was a bit of a kind of bipartisan rally and, and the president was, was sort of out there uh, talking very seriously about matters. And, and then his approval for, for his handling seems to have declined again um, along with his, with his overall ratings. As we've gotten into into May, and, and as his rhetoric over the last month or so um, got more got more charged as well, um, so you know his approval of his handling has not been as strong. And you know, again, I think this is a case where I was talking about the governors and having an uneven record at, at best in in how they've communicated this. I don't think the president's uh, communication leadership uh, has been what it could be either. This is a national crisis where uh, where we expect the president to. You know, to show a lot of uh, empathy uh, and to uh, and to communicate that and to sort of rally the nation with with more bipartisan rhetoric, um, and you know, I, I don't, it's hard to say that that President Trump has has met that challenge in recent weeks. So you think it's more his rhetoric than his actions? Well, I'm I'm focused. Yeah, right now I'm focusing here on my comment on on his on the way that he has talked about. Uh, the challenge that we face and the way he has tried to communicate that with the people. Uh, no, I mean, I think it, we, we have seen that the federal government uh, has not been, has been slow to respond and slow to, to do the things that it needed to do during the shutdown uh, to, be, uh, to be ready to reopen. Right? And I think that's, you know, that's partly a cause of people's frustration that, um, that we, we looked at what we were doing as getting us ready
ready uh, to uh, to reopen safely, but uh, the government has has been has been slow to do those things. Well, let's take a look at New York for a minute, where Governor Cuomo has initially said that he needs hundreds of thousands of ventilators, he needs more beds. They set up the Javits Center, they brought the hospital ship up there, none of which were used to any great extent. You know, so the governors have kind of sat in the mud and yelled more, 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 and the president's kind of stuck saying, "Hey, you don't need all this stuff." And he turns out he was right. Does he get any credit for that? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know uh, why New York said that they needed the things that they needed, and and uh, and why it turned out that they didn't. Um, it may well be, uh, it may well be that uh, that they overestimated uh, what their needs were. So sure, right? I mean, I'm sure that the president is frustrated about uh, about the things that he's hearing from the governors. Um, at the same time, you know, the way that it has sometimes turned into the president versus the governors probably doesn't uh, probably doesn't help anybody at this point. True enough. What do, what's your reaction when you hear? Well, this is a broad Democratic conspiracy. It starts with Nancy Pelosi and, and works on down, you know, to ruin the economy so that President Trump has a, uh, a you know, a, fa- an, a a cratered economy when he goes to run for office. I, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a conspiracy, not a conspiracy theorist. I think we need to be really careful about that sort of thing. The virus is real. Uh, the, the public health needs are real. Um, this is far from the first time as a country that the federal government or state governments have had to take actions uh, to try to deal with this sort of thing. Um, you know, it's and and I don't think I think if you if you sort of stop and take that seriously, the idea that 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 would that would benefit Democrats in the long run, or even would benefit them uh, in November, if you, if you take the conspiracy theory seriously for even a moment, uh, that just doesn't doesn't hold water, right? Uh, the Democrats are, are incumbents in Congress, um, and nobody is going to be able to predict at this point how this uh, how this crisis is going to play out politically. Um, so, uh, so the idea that it would be some sort of some sort of democratic conspiracy just uh, just doesn't hold water. Well, there are other people who believe that we're, this is all a trick by the government to get us to be more and more dependent upon them for everything we need. There have been people who said that, you know, Nancy Pelosi's latest bill trying to bail out the states from their terrible pension debacles in Illinois and New York and some other places, including here in Pennsylvania, you know, how, how political should the bills coming out of Congress be with respect toward helping people? Shouldn't they be bipartisan rather than just one party? In this case, the Democrats coming forward with a bill and urging everybody to support it and tons of pork barrel money in it? Well, let's see. I, I mean, so two pieces of that there, right? First of all, I, I you know, I, I, I don't think that there's anything to the claim that uh, that Democrats uh, or anybody is is using is using the crisis to sort of create dependence dependence on government. And you know, again, when we think about when we think about uh, these sort of broad conspiracy kind of arguments about uh, about what's going on, I think we need to to think about you know. Uh, the, the same the same kinds of folks I think uh, who sometimes make the argument that we have you know a secret cabal of politicians you know putting together these plans uh, you know and some of these conspiracy arguments are also folks who don't necessarily think the government can do anything right or effectively and and uh, those things don't don't quite fit together so uh, I'm not quite not quite sure about that but as far as the content of the legislation I think that's a that's a good question right and and the idea that Democrats would put together um, would put together a, a a stimulus package that reflects their priorities is the way politics works, 
right? So the Democratic House not finding that it could negotiate behind closed doors effectively with with Republicans, whoever's fault that might be, and it's probably some of both, um, decided to pass its own bill. And then to throw that over to the Senate and to the president um, as an opening volley. And, you know, honestly, as, as much as things are not working the way they usually do right now, that's kind of the way Congress works. You know, you have divided control of the two chambers. One chamber is, is going to go ahead and put down its marker and say, here's what we stand for. Um, but it's not going to be the final outcome because they're going to have to negotiate with the Republicans in the Senate. But wouldn't you agree it's more of a message bill than it is a serious attempt to legislate? Well, yeah, right. That, I would say it is both, right? It is, it is a, a starting point. It is the Democrats saying, here's our ideal. Um, and that is a message, and they do. And Congress does a lot of messaging, right? Um, but it is, but it also serves at the same time as a policy starting point. It's not anywhere near what we're going to see come out of this in the end. Um, but uh, you know, you when you start a negotiation, whether you're trying to uh, pass the one of the biggest pieces of legislation ever passed, or whether you're trying to buy a car, right? You you know, you start with your ideal, and uh, and then you work with the other side to to get to the end. And that's you know, on the substance. That's what we're seeing. Can you summarize at all what people are supporting in their presidential candidate? I know, like some people I know that are Republicans, they might support the president, not so much his personality and, you know, how outspoken he is and so on, but just, uh, A, he stands up for Republican ideals, and B, they really don't want the Democratic policies imposed. And, and likewise, on Joe Biden's side, they may, not know, they may not know anything about Joe Biden's policies, but they want anybody but Trump, and they do want some Democratic policies uh, enacted. Can you summarize w what that mindset might be as we head towards the fall? Right. I mean, I think in 2016, and I think we will see it again this year, that partisanship uh, is is the is the dominant factor, right? And for a lot of voters, kind of as I think you were describing, Mark, for a lot of voters, um, that partisanship reflects a certain set of policy priorities, right? Whether it's you know for a Democratic voter, you know, uh, wanting uh, wanting um, uh, additional health care reform, uh, whether for a Republican voter, it's wanting it's wanting more tax cuts or or more conservative judges. Sure, right? That partisanship is tied up with policies, but I think more so right now than uh, and in any of our lifetimes, um, that partisanship is also driven by uh, by a negative partisanship, as uh, as we tend to refer to it when when we're studying these things, um, which is not as much I'm I'm attached to my side, but I really don't like the other side, right? And so we're motivated uh, to to vote for our party's candidate. Um, any of us because we're we're so disdainful of the other side um, and that, that's sort of the corrosive part you know I, I, I tend to think political parties are a good thing and when political partisanship is attached to you know uh, policy ideas and and being part of a team to try to get those policies passed parties can be good but when it becomes sort of um, you know I, I'm, I have to vote for this guy because I can't stand the other side um, that tends to be a little more corrosive and we saw a lot of that in 2016 um, and we're going to see it again on both sides this year most Motivating voters. Well, Abraham Lincoln famously dropped Hannibal Hamlin as his vice president in order to take Andrew Johnson because of political exigencies during the Civil War. Do you see President Trump dumping, under circumstances under which President Trump would dump Mike Pence, depending on who Joe Biden picks as his running mate? Well, that's a fun question. And you got the Hannibal Hamlin reference in there. That's, I didn't expect that. Um, <laughs> um, you know, 
I, I am going to, I'm going to avoid making any definitive predictions about what President Trump will or won't do because I have, I've found that I'm not very good at that. But um, if I'm thinking about this just sort of rationally, uh, I don't see a whole lot of benefit for Trump in doing that. Um, I think that that Pence is is somebody who has been very valuable to the president in rallying a segment of the Republican base that uh, that might not otherwise have been as supportive of him, and that Pence still uh, is is important uh, to Trump in that sense. Uh, and so dropping Pence could be costly, even if putting somebody like occasionally you hear someone like Nikki Haley mentioned, um, you know, even if putting someone else on the ticket um, might generate some new energy. I'm not sure that it moves a whole lot of voters uh, to Trump's side, and by dumping Pence, he might uh, might risk um, you know, alienating some people in his own base. Now, again, I'll go back to that's not a that's not a prediction because I can't predict Trump. <laughs> if you could, you could make a fortune, Scott. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Two more questions, one from me, and then one I'll let you ask yourself a good question. Uh, why won't President Trump be seen with a mask on his face? Well, so here again, we're going to have to read Trump's mind. I, I mean, I think... I, 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 <laughs> oh, it, that was... What's that? I said, "Ouch! That's 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 not possible." <laughs> anyway, anyway, I, 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 it seems like he sees it as a he, he sees it as conveying uh, conveying an image of weakness, and I, I think that Trump is very sensitive to his image and how he's perceived and being perceived as strong and as a winner, um, and that just that, that seems like it must in his head uh, go against go against that uh, important thing for him. Um, I. I you know, I think it's I think it's probably uh, missing an opportunity to to set an example, or at least it did. But that ship seems to have sailed. All right, and then the final question is: What else can you tell us? Maybe we didn't ask you. There's always important facets of this that Joe and I don't think of. So, uh, what's what's another important element that you're ready to talk about that we didn't ask? I might shift gears for a second and and uh, and point out that uh, it's kind of. It's kind of interesting that right now we are voting by mail in Pennsylvania uh, for the first time, right? Uh, we happened to pass this legislation, uh, I guess, last November, and so now this is the first uh, primary or, uh, election or any election statewide where we're able to vote no excuse absentee, and that turns out to have been a timely reform um, given the situation right now. Uh, so I, I cast my ballot uh, and put it by putting it in the mailbox last week for the first time as a Pennsylvania uh, voter, um, and I got an email back uh, a couple of days later saying that my, my ballot had been received and, and everything was okay. Um, the system in Pennsylvania seems to be working pretty smoothly so far, um, and, uh, and I, think that's, I think that's a positive thing. Uh, the research in political science so far suggests Contra what we have we have heard, um, you know, from from some public figures that there's not necessarily a partisan advantage for one side or the other that we that we can measure in states that have done vote by mail um, from this process. Um, and so, if that continues to hold up, and it seems pretty uh, a pretty strong finding, um, then then this is a positive, right? And it's not only a positive in in the current situation, um, but going forward, making it easier for people to vote. So um, so that is my little plug. For 
for uh, voting by mail in Pennsylvania. It is not too late if you're a registered voter in Pennsylvania to request uh, a mail ballot and uh, and to get it in the mail before the primary on June 2nd. Um, and uh, I hope we're all able to do the same in the general election in the fall. So uh, there's there's I I try to be uh, nonpartisan in my uh, in my public comments on things, but I'm not nonpartisan about the fact that voting is good. Um, so I give a little plug there. What do you do if you change your mind, Scott? Well, that's you know that is the that is the one drawback. Uh, if, if there's we don't the, with voting by mail, you you might have new information that comes uh, comes up at the last minute, and and then it is too late. Um, and there is that possibility that somebody who voted last week has different information than somebody who votes next week. So that. No electoral reform is without its drawbacks. I think that is one. Um, Thank you so much for the analysis. Thank you very much. Do keep in touch. We always appreciate your insights. Send us a note when there's something big to talk about. Uh, Well, this is probably every day on on this topic, but uh, make sure that that you seek us out when uh, there's more to talk about. We appreciate it. Thank you, Scott. Right. Take care. Good talk to you. I do appreciate Bye. that. Professor Scott Meinke, uh, professor uh, of political science and chair of the political science department at Bucknell University. Taking a quickie break. We will be right back. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. I see now, unfortunately, too late. We did get an email that was supposed to be directed at the political science professor, so we'll forward that to him. That's, that email was for the professor, not for us. So uh, sorry about that. Uh, Mike, we'll forward that to the professor, and he can reply, and he can either reply to you directly or send it back to us. You want to read it? Uh, he says, the latest Democrat-sponsored pandemic bill wants to pay... Well, well I can't read it now because we have to take a break for the news. But here's a deal. I'll read it when we come back after you've given the local news. How would that be? Yeah, we'll answer for the professor. All right, sure. <laughs> I'm sure he'll be delighted to have us <laughs> provide answers he might give. I think he trusts my response. I, I, I can't read the president's mind, but I do know Professor Meinke's mind, so we'll, we'll go from there. <laughs> Not. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. Back after CBS. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark, Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings and welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. 
Mr. Joe McGranahan is directly across from me. And Mr. Rob Setters, our fabulous producer. So we definitely appreciate his help and hard work making things happen around here and making sure that archives get archived and uh, shows callers get through. So now it's an opportunity for callers to call us. 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. That's 1-800-795-9565. Uh, on the mark, sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. It's a family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street, Sunbury, and Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf. And they invite you to visit sunburymotors.com and see their entire Ford, Lincoln, Kia, and Hyundai inventory online. You can also see the hundreds of vehicles that are pre-owned and perfect. That's what we like to call them. They've gone through a 200-point check and cleaning and sanitizing, and these are the cleanest vehicles in the world. And you can find them at the Sunbury Motor Company or the Kia dealership on Routes 11 and 15. You can select your perfect vehicle online, purchase it online right from your home or your smartphone. You can do like I do. Go down there on North 4th Street, uh, park nearby, look at your My Ranger that's sitting there, and uh, contact them online and say, I'm getting very much closer to pulling the trigger on this, getting down there and picking it up. But uh, it's an opportunity for you to save a lot of money. Uh, of course, uh, safe and sanitary and opportunity to shop online. And if it's, it's almost inconceivable, but in case they don't have the Ford, Hyundai, Kia, or Lincoln to your precise, precise specifications. Uh, maybe they don't have a Lincoln uh, that is big enough for Joe. He, he's not happy unless he's guzzling gas. Or maybe they don't have a Mustang that you saw in that NASCAR race uh, yesterday at Darlington. They don't have one that uh, looks hot enough for you. Then you can ord, order one. Uh, build one to your precise specifications. Either a Ford, a Hyundai, a Kia, or a Lincoln. And that's what you can do at sunburymotors.com. And they just invite you to shop online. It is an opportunity for you to be super served uh, internetically at the Sunbury Motor Company. They've been doing this for a long time, so they didn't really have to ramp up much to do online sales. So they'd be very happy to see you uh, online now and uh, take good care of you in every way. Our toll-free line is now open. Call us 1-800-795-9565. That's 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemarkatwkok.com or text us at 70236. We would very much uh, like to hear from you. Some brief news headlines here. For the first time in two months, Catholics had an opportunity to worship. We're going through this uh, pandemic right now. But at the same time, we have reason for hope. And that is uh, Father Fred Wongway at St. Monica in church, but other Catholic churches around here had masses uh, and uh, public masses now have uh, parishioners wearing a mask at all times except when receiving Holy Communion, which is distributed after the mass. There's also no sharing of the sign of peace, no holy water, and no hymnals in the pews at the masses. Uh, probably less singing. Did you go to the mass or were you back online yesterday, Joe? I was online Okay, yesterday. so is there singing? still or yes or no well not at the, not on the online masses okay. there weren't okay only three new COVID-19... There was music, recorded music. Okay. Only three new... Yeah, they don't want you spewing out... <laughs> the way Joe belts out songs, they, that would be a very high droplet count. Only... Th would you like a sample? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, the tent can only do so oh, much. <laughs> anyway, uh, there's... Uh, I lost my train of thought here. Where were we? Oh, yeah. Oh, you've been off the rails on that train for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> there 
there's only three new COVID-19 cases in the Valley, uh, one of which was in Union County. They now have a total of 47 individual residents who have tested positive for COVID-19, most of whom, the vast majority of whom, have recovered in Northumberland County. Only two more people have tested positive for COVID-19. Their total of 141. Uh, we want to emphasize the folks that this does not mean that there's 141 people that still have it. These are 141 people that ever had it and tested positive in uh, Northumberland County. Most have recovered. Northumberland County has no uh, Northumberland County residents who have died as a result of COVID-19. So uh, we'll have to assume they either are slightly symptomatic or recovered there. This recovered statistics, people seem to want to know about that. Dr. J. Juan Rue, president and CEO of Geisinger, said there was some good news about this for the first time in the system's entire population of COVID-19 patients. That number of patients is below 90. Last week, he noted that for the first time in six weeks, the number was below 100 patients in their entire system, and uh, now that number is below 90. And the weekend recap from Sarah Lover at the Anchor Desk on Sunday. Critics of Governor Tom Wolf's shutdown orders, primarily Republicans, contend that the restrictions are inflicting undue suffering and are no longer warranted, saying he has met his original objective of ensuring that hospitals did not become overwhelmed. Local officials have cited the opinions of doctors at their area health systems who say that the state's economy can safely reopen and coexist with the virus. Hundreds of sign-waving protesters, many of them without masks, staged another rally at the state capitol on Friday to protest the shutdown. And Columbia County residents are among the 2.6 million people around the state who will be emerging from red pandemic restrictions and going yellow in two weeks. On Friday, Governor Tom Wolf said that 12 more counties will soon join the others in a partial easing of the state's COVID-19 mitigation efforts. Wolf said that Friday, May 22nd, the next batch of reopening counties will be Adams, Beaver, Carbon, Columbia, Cumberland, Juniata, Mifflin, Perry, Susquehanna, Wyoming, Wayne, and York. And authorities say a man died after he was overcome by fumes in a silo on a central Pennsylvania farm. It happened in Montour County. The coroner's office says 45-year-old Abraham Stoltzfus and his 16-year-old son entered the 60-foot grass silo Friday morning. But the youth's 18-year-old brother heard his brother calling for help. He and a neighbor pulled the father from the chute, but he had no pulse and was not breathing. The younger brother was freed and treated at Geisinger Medical Center. He's listed in stable condition. The father was pronounced dead at the scene. I'm Sarah Lover, News Radio 1070, WKOK. Finally, two items from the weekends. One, the grandstands were completely empty. There wasn't a single tailgate underway inside the track. Everyone wore face coverings, some with team logos. I saw my favorite mask yesterday at the NASCAR race was a checkered flag mask. I want, to, I want one of those. Uh, others opting for plain disposable medical masks. It was nothing close to the corporate sponsorship, pomp, and patriotic traveling circus that symbolizes NASCAR, but when the engines fired up at Darlington Raceway yesterday following a 10-week layoff, it turned back to the regular old race with the same people winning <laughs> again, as they always do. Kevin Harvick 
uh, yesterday the winner. But yeah, saw some great masks though. It's funny to see a mask that has the sponsor's name on it. So that's always good. Oh, and the other item is uh, here's one way to maintain social distancing and to get sprinkled with holy water. A Roman Catholic priest in the Detroit area has taken his best shot at keeping the congregation from getting too close during the coronavirus. He's using a squirt gun to shoot holy water at the parishioners at on a recent mass. Better than a hose. Right. Yeah, there you go. All right. We got, uh, well, we had one call coming in, but now we have one. Call back if you'd like to get it through. We're all set to go now. Now I got everything ready to go. 1-800-795-9565. Mike, you're on the mark. Thanks for calling in. I want to uh, follow up to the discussion with the professor, but before that, I was listening to your news there, and there was the item about the, uh, the father and son that were overcome in a silo, and the father ultimately passed away. And I think, uh, not knowing all the details of that situation, but I think there's a correlation there between that incident and the pandemic, whereas the father, probably the older, and the, he's the one that passed away, and the younger, the son, who's more vigorous, most likely, better, stronger cardiovascular system. They were probably both in the same conditions in there, but the younger ones survived. So that, that's kind of how this pandemic is, is taking its victims. The older people with the less stronger immune systems and cardiovascular systems are the ones that are passing away. So myself, when we loosen things up up here in uh, Columbia County, I'm not gonna be changing too much about my behavior. I'm, I'm gonna wait and see how this thing goes because I'm an at-risk person, so I'm going to take be, take a lot of caution. I'm just not going to run out there and, and uh, try to do things that I wasn't doing before. That's my comment. Life that. is tougher <laughs> on older people in every way, all <laughs> the time. You got that right. doesn't matter what it is, whether it's an illness or <laughs> vigorous hard work or super long days. The older I get, the harder it gets. Well, I you wouldn't say it. that. Yeah, Joe's going the other way, though. See, Joe's losing weight. and I'm looks, getting younger. Right. And your hip- My hair's going to start growing well, back it's getting soon. longer, but it's not growing back. Darn it, I thought it was growing back. No, I agree I've, with you I've that you're, you're going to be, you're, most people are going to exercise some amount of caution. And I noticed even in the pictures of the church services yesterday, they didn't appear to be thronged. Um, you know, I think some people are still going to be very concerned about going into any area where there's a large group of people, whether they're masked or unmasked or however it is, just because they don't want to take the chance. On the other hand, I've been also over the, over the weekend, I was at Walmart. And that, you know, <laughs> it's an entirely different setup. Yeah. A lot of people. A lot of people. Yeah, different strokes for different folks. But I mean, you know, they, people have to get their groceries. Hey, the, the real reason I called was a follow-up to the professor. Uh, prof- his, his name is Scott. I, I, I don't know the last name. Professor Scott, I'll call Meinke. him. Meinke. Meinke, yes. He said that the Democrats were justified because they wanted the idea, you know, they did it themselves, the ideal bill, okay? Well, I'm going to take issue with that. And the reason <laughs> I'm going to take issue with that is uh, I listened to Tim Ryan, he's a congressman from Ohio, who I think, I'm not a Democrat, but... I think they'd be crazy not to pick him as a vice presidential uh, candidate. He's, he's a fantastic speaker. He comes from a swing state. Uh, he's a tough guy, well-spoken. He would be my guy if I was a Democrat. But he's that not a woman. Said, he's not a woman, and Joe's promised yeah, well, a woman. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe it's not going to be Joe. But uh, <laughs> here's the thing. He, one of the things he said, it was a very emotional plea as to why in the defense of the, the Democrat bill that was made in private. 
he said that the Teamsters, the trucker Teamsters, would have to take a 50% cut in their pension. Now, he didn't mention that the pension was mismanaged, and maybe it was over. It was too high to start with. I don't know. But there's a reason why the pension was severely underfunded, okay? Now, that's the ideal situation. Well, what about people like me who have a, a private pension, that if my pension were to go belly up, the best I could do would be 25% of what I'm currently receiving, and that is under the federal law, the Pension Benefit Guarantee Board. Okay, that came, as part of a recent that came out after the big downturn back in the early 70s. You know, they, they try to take care of pensions that, you know, go under for whatever reason, and they want to pay off uh, the workers. But I won't get 100% if mine goes under. I'll get 25%. So I wonder what is the difference between a guy like me and the Teamsters truckers? What, you, what, you, what, to me, the ideal situation would be I would be protected as well as the Teamsters. That'd be a question. I think I put it in there. I was hoping you could get uh, get that fellow to answer that. So, what do you guys think about that? Why well, am I being treated differently than the Teamsters? Because the, there are more Teamsters and they vote. That's why you're being treated and, differently. And, and they and they probably also make uh, one of the reasons why that pension is probably underfunded because a lot of that money probably went to Democrat campaigns, in my opinion. Now, that's just a conspiracy theory, you know. <laughs> right. Well, no, I don't mean that unkindly. I mean, I, I, the Teamsters negotiated for their benefits, um, as our unions are permitted to do, and somebody gave it to them. I mean, the alternative would be a strike, I guess, and you you would, you know, hold out for a long period of time, and your company would be wrecked, and the economy would be wrecked. But, I mean, they negotiated for it, they got it, and so now someone's got to pay for it. If it was underfunded, it would probably be because of the, um, uh, you know, the union allowed it to be underfunded, or, as you suggest, they made loans, typically in the old days when Hoffa was heading the Teamsters, they made a lot of loans to people who were, let's say, somewhat shady and whose ability to pay it back might be compromised in one way or another. And it probably was never, a lot of times, probably never intended to be paid back. It was probably just the way, just the way they do business. You know, it, it, to me, it, it's the way Washington works. You know, they, 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 I'm, I'm going to be critical here, just like the people on the left are going to be critical. Everybody's in the same boat. Everybody's in the same boat. We know what the problem is. So why, why did the Democrats come out with a bill made in private without any help from the Republicans that they knew was not going to pass? They put so many things in there that just would not allow it to be passed by the Senate. Now, that's my question, but here's what I'm going to give you my answer. If I was Trump, if I was Trump, I would tell his Republicans, okay, the Democrats want to have it their, their way. We need to pay for this. So we're going to put a surcharge, 2% of everybody that makes over $500,000 a year with no deductions, 2% of their income is going to go to paying off this bill. And, and let, let the rich Democrats, because let's face it, everybody talks about rich Republicans. There's a heck of a lot of rich Democrats. Let them pay for this mess. Well, it was a message bill primarily. The Democrats wanted to send a message to the country that, look, we're out for you. We're going to bail out the states. We're going to bail out everybody. We're not going to be concerned about where this money's coming from. We're just going to bail everybody out. 
And that was the message they wanted to send, and they sent it. And the Republicans have to stand up and say, okay, we know there might be some need for some more help coming down the road, but until we see exactly what that need is, we're not going to just vote for some blanket bill that adds another trillions, what, three or four trillion dollars to the deficit. Exactly. It was pandemic politics to try to influence the election. There's just no doubt in my mind, and I'm not, I'll, I'll accept, you can call me a conspiracy theorist all you want, but why would anybody pass a bill in a time of crisis that they know stands no chance of passing unless it was for political gain? Well, send a message. Yep, that's it. All right. Thank you so much Thanks, for Mike. checking appreciate in, Mike. Call. Really appreciate the call. Take care. One eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. We got a caller standing by. We got a couple of emails uh, pending and texts. We'll take a quickie break, but join the queue. One eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. We will be right back. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. All right, welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. Let's get uh, Bobby D on the phone, and we'll go from there. But we got open lines, 1-800-795-9565. We had Professor Meinke in here talking about the, uh, really, this sharp partisan divide that involves the COVID-19. And uh, he's right that polls show most people simply favor what their governor's doing, depending upon what their state's doing, like 70%. It's, uh, they didn't survey great. me, brother. Well, yeah, there's, but there's a lot of... Uh, alpha male conservatives that are still opposing this and uh, but they're not in the majority that's all I mean, they're very he, vocal. I don't think he's done a terrible job but he just needs to let loose some of the screws for example real estate saying that real estate can't be open saying that well, that's open now or is it yes when uh, two f- either last Friday or the Friday there before. There were still some people complaining about it online over well, the weekend. just complaining. Okay. <laughs> so what, is, what did he allow? You're allowed to buy a house? I can uh, call for an appointment. Yeah, with, with social my... distancing and sanitation and... Uh, and by the barber very... shop? Can I get my hair cut? Not yet, buddy. And your gym is Can't still closed. Can't go to the gym. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Bobby, you're on the mark. Thanks for calling in. Yes, I definitely agree with Joe. I mean, there's... You know, we live in a in a rural area. And, uh, of course, routes 11 to 15 and going through Smoke and Dam, Sunbury and that. And so there's a lot of travel, you know, from people coming from all over to get different places. Of course, the different it affects the different businesses, too. Yeah, and, uh, uh, you know, people who are transients, they may came, uh, e- even the one gal that we met uh, the other day in uh, uh, Danville at the Hampton Inn, I mean, she, you know, because of what's been coming down, she's had to work three different places to keep her job, one day in Williamsport, one day here, and one day there, as far as what. But the thing is, what I've noticed about this valley is, uh, I'm going to say, all the um, surrounding counties 
get together and help people out. And well, uh, you know, somewhere true. along the line, you say, "I agree with Joe." I mean, okay, getting your hair cut and going to the gym and all that is an, a, set, a basic essential part of life. <laughs> that somehow that should have been considered. You know, if you can open up the the big grocery store and the big business and this and that and the whole nine yards, and you know, what is wrong with helping the small business person who's been around here a long time? I'm going back to my ponytail. I've decided that's yes. what we're going to do. <laughs> Well, I think part of you resembles the posterior of a horse. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, thank you. Now you made Bobby fall off his chair. He's not even there to say goodbye. Down he went. Uh All right, Tom, thanks for calling in. You're on the mark. Yeah, I just wanted to see why uh, Joe doesn't want people to get any... He doesn't seem to want to get anybody any money, but when they they pass this $2 trillion... Giveaway to the to the uh, rich small, people, small the one percent, and the corporations. Joe said, "Oh, it's, he thinks that's great. He thinks that's good. He says he agrees with President Trump's uh, I is the way he runs things. He likes he likes that." Are you talking about the tax cut, Tom? To Are you talking about the tax cut, Tom? And I supported yeah. the I supported the first, strongly supported the first economic stimulus package that put money in people's pockets here not too long ago. So I don't know where you're getting the idea. I don't want to give yeah, people money. Yeah, that was that was just they, they gave them a drop in the bucket compared oh, okay. to what they gave. Not enough. You know they gave they gave the people that are not people. Now this is something else. Okay. These people, these big corporations, and these billionaires and stuff mm. like that. Yeah. There, there are so many. There are so many things in the tax code that keeps them from paying taxes. They don't pay any tax. So and like, now they just gave them, and now they just gave them another five hundred billion dollars to fight over. So five hundred like, billion dollars they just gave them again. What did they do with the other two two billion they gave them? Well, here's the, the thing, trillion. Tom. The, a lot of that money that was allocated in the last stimulus bill hasn't been spent yet. It's still sitting there. So why should we allocate more money until we've spent what's already been allocated it, and it until we assess... Been spent, it's been spent by the people that, that need it, the people that... It's, I'm talking the, about loans. Com, the common people, maybe the other stuff isn't divided up. Small business loans. Isn't that important, Tom? Isn't it important that people have a job to come back to, or you just want everybody on the government yeah, dole? Sure, well, sure it is. Okay, I thought you but wanted these, everybody on the government dole. corporations do not need any money. Okay. They got two. They got a two trillion dollar tax cut. What in seventeen? And now they just gave them another half a trillion dollars to divide up amongst them. And what did they? What did they do they with that tax they cut? They shouldn't have got anything again. What did they do with that tax cut? That money went to f- fuel a booming economy that, up until the coronavirus hit, was the best no, we've ever did. enjoyed. You know what that thing did? <laughs> it added it added about three trillion dollars onto the national debt. And now Nancy Pelosi wants to add another four. Well, at least hers would be. At least hers would be. Uh, give it to regular people. Oh no, it isn't. It no, 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 my friend. That's not where it's going. It's going to bail out the states who have terrible pension plans. That's not the people. Well, they're, well, they're not going to use it for that. They're yes, use they it. are. They're give it to the states only, only for the for the COVID problem. COVID money that was spent. And how did how did funding the national uh, humanities? How is that uh, related to the COVID virus? That's about twenty five thirty million in there for that. I I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Maybe, I don't mind. I don't mind, what the I don't I don't mind helping. I don't but mind this, helping, this, but not pork barrel, Tom. Not more pork. But this this tax cut that was passed 
in 2017, I guess. That was voted on. I don't know about the, the House, but the Senate, it was passed 100 percent, 53 to 47 by Senate. There was right. not one Democrat that voted for that. And there wasn't one and Republican. In, and, in, and in the House, I doubt there were very many. And there wasn't one Republican that voted for the Nancy Pelosi's bill that she's producing now. I mean, there's no part bipartisanship here at all. I'll agree with you on that one. Well, yeah. I'll agree with you there. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much, Tom. Thanks Tom, for checking thanks, in. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate call again. The, call. Uh, the letter right in the middle there. Okay. It says, uh, don't use my name. Okay, we won't. Uh, <laughs> why do the Amish and Mennonites not follow the guidelines? They are having church and do not wear masks. What is their percentage of those afflicted? We are surrounded by them in our area. Perhaps they know something we don't. Well, I don't know. Is there any statistics on how Amish people are faring and Mennonite same, people are faring? The same. They they get the virus. They get sick. They go to the hospital. Um, they well, first of all, religious organizations are exempt from the governor's direction. So, uh, for example, uh, Catholic masses uh, were canceled last month, and all, you know, for six weeks because they chose to do so out of an abundance of caution and in the interest of safety and concerns, and to be consistent it may be in their area, but all the churches cancel their own services on their own, and then the, some of them have already started up, and there's a few churches around here that but kept, kept on meeting. But in some states, in some states, they have ordered the churches to oh, well, stop holy be, services. Yeah, that could be. Yeah, that's not the case in Pennsylvania. Religious organizations are exempt, and so Amish services would be exempt. Now, Amish people would not be exempt just because of their lifestyle. Uh, so, But there's no requirement that you wear a mask. It's just you know strongly advised no, if I you're near other people. I think there is a requirement people. now that if you, to enter a store, you, there are well, signs yeah, out front yes, stores. That's they, the store's requirement, not the... the uh, well, I thought it was the governor's requirement The governor is the stores. requiring stores to require masks. Yes, okay. that's true. So but, what happens if they don't? I mean, but I anyway, all the way back, yes, Amish are getting sick. They're getting treated at Evan and Geisinger. Um... I know about a month ago we talked about uh, Evan had sent a letter to some members of their Amish community talking about, you know, I don't know what was in the letter. That's probably private, but uh, that's how they were communicating. And uh, let's see who else. CNN did a story probably about a month ago in Junietta County about a clinic that was set up to treat and test members of the Amish community. So they're not exempt in any way from getting the ailment. Their services are exempt from, uh, their religion is exempt, as all religions are from the rules. So if they can go on their own way, not wear masks, not take any of the precautions others are taking, and they don't get affected with it, what does that tell you? Well, that they're isolated. <laughs> you know, Not that, entirely. That nobody brought it into their I've, I see Amish people sect. shopping and, and Mennonite people shopping out in the community and going to stores. Well, that would like be the, the only conclusion, unless there might be something in their genetics that puts them in that class of people that just don't... Have antibodies because yeah, they do live closer to the earth than the rest of us. Maybe we should be checking them out and find out if they have antibodies you, built you up. You do that. <laughs> All right. I'm sure they'll welcome me down there checking their taking You go out to New Berlin and turn right and then <laughs> stop at the nearest farm and you tell them why you're there. You're there to study their propensity to get coronavirus. Or not get it, in, in which case is what we're talking about here, right? right? 1-800-795-9565. Thanks for the email. I hope that answers the question. Uh, we're going to talk to... Well, uh, we don't really know, but we're assuming, well, right? We know, that we know that Amish are getting sick. We do, we do know that to be true. But we That's don't been know if it's about. in greater or lesser proportion to the population as a whole. 
I would say it's lesser. They have less contact with everybody else. But their schools are shut, too. I know that to be true. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, let's see. Or they were. I think they're probably out by now. Uh, Chris, you're on the mark. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, I was wondering if Joe uh, checked out the facts on what I was telling him last Thursday at the end of the show. Mm, he probably didn't. He forgets things he fast. He probably didn't. Well, I was right, Joe. About what? First bipartisan vote in favor of conviction. You lost me. I don't remember oh, for last past on impeachments in the past. Yeah, the, the, the Trump's was the first bipartisan vote in favor of impeachment. It was bipartisan. The people voting for impeachment were bipartisan. Well, they voted. They didn't. Well, there was one Republican who later became an independent who voted for it. Who's that? I don't consider that guy out in, um, oh, the Trump really came down on, don't remember his Mitt name. Romney? Oh, no, 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 no. Romney? No. You don't remember Romney? Romney, but he didn't vote. He didn't, he didn't become an independent. No, I'm thinking of the congressman uh, who voted originally. I was talking about the original no, impeachment. No, yeah, the congressman, the Republicans kicked him out so there wouldn't be right. a Republican voting for, uh, uh, that's in the House. I'm talking about in favor of conviction. Okay. That's, that's the Senate's job. That's what I was talking about. And the only reason I don't think it's really important, but the only reason I do it is because, mentioned it, is because you emphasized the House vote was bipartisan against impeachment. I did. Time and time and time again. But then how somehow you never really uh, called the Senate vote bipartisan in in favor of conviction. How many how and many that, Republicans and I voted? Just, that's the only reason I thought it was important. I don't think it's bipartisan when one one guy votes one the well, other you way. Well, thought it was bipartisan when two two uh, congressmen didn't vote, and that's two out of four hundred and whatever. I think you can and, say there was, and that's one out of. Uh, but you well, can't call you that bipartisan. It's one out of half of them. You can't call that bipartisan support, though. I wouldn't call it bipartisan support. Uh, well, I would you say did, when in the House when it was two people out of. Uh, I said there were Democrats out of 180 or 220. I said there were Democrats who supported it, not and many. It this is a private argument. Time and time again. <laughs> you guys are going to yeah. have to have this argument. <laughs> okay, never mind. Day. I don't want to argue about. Jesus, Joe. What I else? really don't understand you. Well, I don't understand you either, Chris, but that's okay. But, okay, now let's see. What's, 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 uh, I think uh, Trump has a large part to do with how, by, how, how, uh, how corrosive the discussion about the virus has been because he started right away calling Democrat, that it was a fake Democratic thing and all that, and his son is still doing it. And he used the, the, the press conferences for the coronavirus to uh, make partisan statements again and again and again. And he lied about the facts of who, what was available and when, time and time again, too, which didn't help any either. So I think you, you, everything Trump does, which goes back to the Ukrainian stuff, actually, everything Trump does is for one thing, to get him re-elected. That's how he operates. That's how he operates the government. That's how he's running the Justice Department, where now another inspector general has been fired. And what's the point of having inspector generals if, if they investigate anything, they're fired. 
What's the that point of having... ruins the ID whole concept of an inspector general, doesn't what's, it? What's the whole point of Joe Biden taking part in the unmasking of Flynn against the law? That's not right. Uh, I think you're you're, you're uh, messing things. Oh no, he was one of the he was one of the people. There, He's one of the people that w- w- requested the unmasking. He's one of the people that corrected the unmasking. Requested it. Requested. And how many times have have No, my uh, point is, let me just tell Trump you my point. People, my point is How that many times have Trump my people point requested is, unmasking? My point is that, this, that it's a political game in Washington. They're both sides are playing it. You're saying the Republicans are evil. Others are saying the Democrats are evil. I'm saying both sides are playing partisan politics. The whole point of everything they're doing is to try what, and get their guy what? elected. I know. That's where you're absolutely lying. Oh, <laughs> He's lying. Oh, the Democrats are not you. trying to get a Joe Biden elected. Okay. When, when they found out about the Trump conversations and, and what uh, the Trump uh, talking with the Russians and whatnot and the Russian influence, Trump they did didn't not talk to the Russians. That. Trump didn't talk to any Russians. There's been no clue of that. Uh, Mueller couldn't find Trump it. Trump campaign, the campaign, Joe, the campaign. Well, you said Trump. Oh, I'm sorry. I made one error and didn't add the word, okay? <laughs> moving on. But moving on, they when they had the evidence of Russian interference, they did not publicize that. Which they? Because what they are you talking Obama about? Obama did not publicize that. Okay. Did not announce it because they couldn't do it in a bipartisan way when McConnell refused to cooperate. But they could have gone so to the they Trump did campaign. Not do it. They could have gone to the Trump campaign and, and said, look, listen, look, quietly. Now well, let me finish. They could have gone to the Trump campaign and said, listen, we feel that there may be some undue influence from the Russians and part of uh, trying to influence this election. Will you work with us to try and come come to some uh, conclusion about what it is they're doing and how to stop it? But they didn't well, do what that. What did they talk to McConnell was about? They Can't didn't McConnell do that. go to Trump? They didn't go to the campaign. They didn't go to Trump himself. They didn't talk to him. They went to the Republican leaders, of course. And there was They're no greater Republican government. leader than the pr- guy running for part president. Of the government, then, Joe. There was no greater leader than the guy running at the head of the ticket for president, and they didn't talk to no, him. No, that's that's baloney. No, but you're got you're dispensing baloney, my friend. All right, no, we got to wrap up, Chris. Go ahead, thirty seconds. Well, Joe, Joe really defends everything Trump does. No, I don't. No, I don't. I have criticized Trump any number of times. I thought I was going to get a chance to finish up. Well, not if you're going to lie about me, you don't. (laughs) Yes, let him finish anyway. (laughs) All right. Go ahead. It was the greatest economy ever. It was just humming along. It was. That was your quote. That's exactly Trump's quote. It wasn't the greatest economy ever. Probably post-World War II was the greatest economy ever. And there might have been some better ones before that. All right. Thank you so much, Chris. Really appreciate the call. Thanks. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I tried. I tried. Let me try to get a few words in next time. Well, you okay. got him in. You sat You sat there and went yeah. quiet. Both of you stop it. He now went stand, silent stand for like down. 10 seconds. <laughs>
We'll be right back. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show. Do you have any follow-up remarks to Chris? Uh, well, here are some of our emails. You don't want to apologize? Text. No, he didn't apologize to me. Oh. Says Joe, Joe, Joe. Now, come on, Joe. You know Chris is right and you're wrong. Period. Remember, Trump bad all the time. On the mark is an opinion show, as I understand it. Chris can have his, but some of us have a different one. We are not always as wrong as Chris would like people to think. Just saying. And that's my opinion, and I agree with your opinion. Uh, another texter says, Tom's whining about this new Democrat bill that passed Congress. I guess he's good with illegals getting money from the taxpayers rather than being deported. Despicable. And there is some move afoot to put money in there for illegal aliens, which yeah. I don't think is constitutionally it's not permitted. It's Fox News talking. No, you it's heard not. through your funnels. Then uh, one of our texters says, Joe is correct. The Democrats are being their usual leftist selves with the heroes bill that addressed very little to do with the COVID-19 problem, but uh, tries to advance their political goals that are anti-American. All it does is attempt to put the Republicans on the defensive. It's time to go on offense and uh, and uh, left America. I don't know where... Oh, and expose all the Democrats' lies and put the Democrats on the defensive. The exposure of the Democrats' coup attempt will be their downfall if there is any justice left in America. That was in six different parts. All right. As for, as for the next one down, as for moving her mother out of a nursing home, Dr. Rachel Levine, uh, meaning helping her mother move, it was her mother's choice to do so, I mean, well, according so to says. Dr. Levine. Um, well, my father's 98. He still makes all of his decisions, so it is feasible for somebody 95 to make all of their decisions, just an FYI. But anyway, scroll back down so I can read it. Oh. Would you please? Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I don't know anyone who wouldn't try to get a pass out of a smelly nursing home. Not many people have the money to do it. Uh, she wasn't in a nursing home. She was in a personal care boarding home. And so that that's a caveat to that. I suggested last week, as I have on several occasions, maybe if everybody froze in place uh, for three weeks, uh, we would possibly kill this. And, and, and we had uh, somebody on the line that I was asking that to. But uh, scroll, stop that for five seconds. And <laughs> I'm trying to read these. Now, don't touch. Well, well I thought we covered I'm gonna them all. I'm going to take your Sorry. mouse away. Leave it alone. Sorry about that. I thought we covered them all. Anyway, uh, it says, Mark. Everyone freeze in place? Really? 
If that was the case, who would bring you your food? Or who would run the power plants at the hospital, the grocery stores? It is impossible, Mark. Well, thank you. Yes, I, I realize it's just a speculation that if uh, everybody froze in place, could that work? We also asked that of a scientist from Dartmouth, and she said no. That would, she actually laughed right at me when I asked the question. You can delete all that. You, and you asked that question in all seriousness, did you? Well, I, 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 I want to <laughs> say, you know, scientifically, this virus exists in people, okay? So if everybody... Absolutely positive. Everybody, nobody moved for four weeks. Like you stayed in the tent and I stayed here and somehow we could do that, you know, in a manner of speaking. Would the virus die? And she says, no, it still wouldn't die then. It would still survive. It's its whole shtick is to stay latent in people and then pop up later. Somebody who's, you know, frozen in place at, you know, like at Northumberland would give it to somebody else in well, Northumberland, and so it would get another moment of life, and it, she just said it wouldn't, ha- it wouldn't work. The best argument I've heard is that when this all started, they said, we've got to flatten the curve. Our goal is to flatten the curve so our hospitals aren't overwhelmed. We flattened the curve, the hospitals weren't overwhelmed, and the governor still won't let us out of quarantine. Right. Well, yeah, I agree. I mean, this is a dilemma. I think we've, I've always said that we've uh, shut down our businesses and activities too soon, you know, before we even allowed an outbreak to uh, to get any momentum here. And now, of course, we flatten the curve. We can do more. Now, we've gone to yellow, so we have more circulation, and people are gathering in backyards and at parties and so on. I saw a big party in Lewisburg over the weekend. Students were having a blast, so good for them. Uh, so now this is happening. So in the weeks ahead, we'll see a few cases to increase, but none of those activities are anything that's going to really move the meter, so no, to speak. look at Dauphin County. We can do more. The upper end of Dauphin County is very much like us here, a rural area, and yet it's completely still in the red because of Harrisburg and the cities, you know, the larger metropolitan areas. I wouldn't open the gym, but I would open barbers. I would open the gym and the barbers. You don't care about the barber. Oh, you do. Listen, I think everybody is going to have to be responsible at some point for themselves and to make sure they take the precautions they feel are necessary. If they choose to. Right. What are you going to do that increases my risk of getting sick? Are you going to rip down this oxygen tent you put me in and breathe Mm -hmm. on me? No, you're not. You're going to be responsible. The oxygen tank will stay mask. up. Oh, no. Right. We're still going to use the hand sanitizer. We're going to use a mask if we feel uncomfortable. You know, we're going to do all those things. And yet the governor wants to nanny us along and tell us how to live and how to behave and what we should do and what we shouldn't do well, think, as if he knows better than we do. I think part of it is this idea of d- dividing communities into counties as though we have anything in common with Philadelphia or Dauphin County or Allegheny County. You know, we really should be separate. It should be run by a, a local county board. If, if you know, So this is my beef that I think, you know, we shut down too soon and then we're reopening too late. That's just Lawrence's worthless observation. But the other thing is that this the governor just won't listen to anyone else other than the people he has surrounds himself with. You know, I mean, the legislators and local leaders around here keep writing him letters. You know, you never hear of anything changing because of that. I was shocked Columbia County went to yellow, or, you know, got permission after that ultimatum they issued. I thought he'd spank him, you know, just because he's spanking other counties that want to do it even though none have actually done that yet, so it should be noteworthy. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. we got a caller standing by. We'll take more comers. 1-800-795-9565. 
When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back to WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show. Dow Industrial's up 700 points right now. So the market... Bye, bye. <laughs> there you go. One of, uh, our emailers, yeah, one of our emailers says, the only reason this Democratic governor is keeping us under a nanny-like state is because he is being directed to do so by his party. Reason being to make the president look bad by tanking the economy. Some nonsense. I wish all the people would rise up and protest nonstop. All right. Uh, Ken, you get a couple of minutes, and then we have Chris standing by. Go ahead, Ken. Go right ahead. You're on the mark. Yeah, I, Mark, I called you last week about this Oliver Speedway situation, and I was just curious if you guys could ask the governor when you post your questions to him why Silver Grove Speedway continues to not be allowed, but uh, the Roaring Knob Speedway, which is located in western, mid-western Pennsylvania, has had races the past two weekends. And up around Benton, Greenwood Valley Racetrack had races this past weekend. Uh, it, uh, there has to be a reason why those two tracks are allowed to race and Children's Grove is not. Yeah, were, there, were there people fishing. in attendance? No. No? Nobody was there? So uh, what? if there's, there's nobody's no allowed in, why would it matter? Yeah, there's something fishy about that. Yeah, th- th- there has to be an explanation because... Those two tracks, Roaring Knob actually had spectators in attendance. Oh, yeah? Greenwood Valley, which mm-hmm. is up around uh, Benton, up in that area, had races this past weekend. And it, it's just no explanation why he says he won't even consider Pocono. Uh, for races, and he has turned down Silver repeatedly. Well, Ken, we'll put that question to him. Uh, first of all, he doesn't take our questions. Dr. Levine does, but he does not. Uh, but even so, we'll submit it. And even if he takes the question, he's just going to say, well, we're following some metrical guideline and schemey bob, and so that's why we're doing that. It's all normal, you know. It's like it makes, is it is the least transparent process that's ever happened in Harrisburg, ever. Thank you, Ken. We right. got a skadoodle, but thanks, thanks for the call. And Upper right-hand Dick, corner, please. Yeah, Dick asked why we didn't read his email. We had it here to get to, and Dick will do it now. Just my thoughts. I know this program is an open forum. However, I was very disappointed in the first and last caller on Friday. I'm no prude, having served in Southeast Asia during the Vietnam War. Lots of worldly experience at my age. Hate, bigotry, my way or the highway. I've seen it all. 
That said, I was surprised to hear such outright form of hate speech expressed toward Dr. Rachel Levine because of her choice of gender. To infer that she has no credibility as to her stance on science because of that is just asinine. To me, it was quite possibly a low point for On the Mark. Don't have to agree, but I would hope we are better than this. Yep, you're absolutely right. It was a low point, but we're clawing back. And guess who stood up for her? Mr. Ben Reikley. Okay, well, I would stand up for it, too. He wouldn't tolerate yeah, it. Yeah, you got to chalk up one for Ben there, don't you? Yeah, amen. He did very well there you, on that. You got 30 seconds. Go. Oh, 30 seconds. Well, uh, there was no quarantine. That's a misuse of word. And the I'd like to know, do you think the Trump is right in firing the inspector generals? No. They serve at the pleasure of the president. Yes, that's not the question. Should they be fired just because they investigate? They serve at the pleasure of the president. <laughs> I didn't that's say your answer. Was, you see, that's why you're a Trumpite. <laughs> he got you, you on that one, Joe. Wrong for doing it. They serve at the, the pleasure of the president, just Joe's like a, all the cabinet officers do. Joe's adjusting his trumpets. He can't hear, for, <laughs> hear you right now. This is WKOK Sound Mary.